What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? How you doing? How you living? How you feeling? It is Sims and Lefko coming to the stage. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. Are you great? Yeah. Good. It's good to hear. You know what it is? Monday. Whoa! Big off season, baby. I love the off season. It's great. Uh, I want to say first and foremost, mm-hmm. thank you to the people from around the world that bought your Sim 70 shirt. Thank you very much. We're talking about Latin America. We're talking about Europe. We're talking about England. We're shipping some to Brazil. Ooh. Yes. Yes. You know what else happened that was really right. funny? Right. I told Fendrick, uh, we have another shirt in the store. And he's like, they're not going to find it. And I said, no, they're, they're going to find it. Guys, we now have a whoa, big, big off season, season shirt. It is available now. It's the one that I was excited about. Sim 70, we've been working on for a long time. Yep. But I don't think there's a shirt that represents us better than Whoa, whoa. Big Off Season. Yeah. Are we going to have anything else on there with the Whoa? Bit, B-I-T.ly slash Big Off Season. You haven't even seen it yet. I haven't seen that one. No, I have not seen that version of the t-shirt yet. All right. I'm going to go to it right now. B-I-T. Dot but you're saying our devoted listeners. I'm telling you that they found dozens of listeners yes. went in and somehow found the shirt that wasn't even listed. This is the Whoa Big Off Season shirt. I like that shirt. I'm going to put some uh some I like pictures it actually better than the Sim 70 shirt. I do too. Yeah. Whoa Big Off Season. Cool shirt. It is a cool shirt. It is. Uh, and so Whoa Big Off Season shirts are now available. Perfect for this summer. Perfect for this off season. bit.ly slash Big Off Season. Or if you follow us on Sims and Lefko, Twitter, Instagram, we're going to post the link. We'll put it on the YouTube as well. A uh, little bit later on the show, we caught up with Gronk on the set of a Tide commercial. Yeah. Uh, I give a little explanation beforehand. Uh, I kind of tried to, to mess with Gronk, and it kind to work a little bit. Like I what? told him that all of my questions were fan questions, and that way he was a lot more likely to answer. That's and a good was. idea. He told us what he would name his firstborn son if he had one. Mm. So all that's coming up in the Gronk interview. Maximus? Can't tell you. you got to stick around for the interview. He looks like a Maximus kind of guy. You know one thing that upset me this weekend? Tell I me. put up the polls right? uh, for our mascot battle. Put one on Twitter. Who won? Sims the Niner or Lefko the Steeler. Put it on Instagram. Who yeah. won? Sims the, the Niner, Lefko the Steeler. I just think people are voting for you without listening. Woo! I just think they're voting for you. Uh, it's all right. Don't worry about it, man. I'm beating you in these arguments. The amount of people that used words and messaged me and said Lefko definitely got the W, it was like nine to one. But in terms of just clicking votes, right. you won. Oh, okay. So you're so out of your ten best friends, nine of them DM'd you and said, Hey, didn't know you won. Didn't know you won. Nope, didn't know him. <laughs> don't don't Yeah, but uh I but, think they just like you more. I think it's because your name's first. I I think if I wrote Lefko or Sims, I think my arguments are more compelling. I think that's really what it comes I think down that to. You can admit I that think you lost. They and recognize I used your own the drive and determination of a 49er and his gold on the horizon and what he was willing to do for that. Leaving his family, and 49er. then I sharpened my instrument to hurt you in the fight, and you were just trying to hit me with a big sledgehammer. It's hard. 
Uh, I if Phil doesn't come on the podcast on Wednesday, yeah. I'm really upset. Yeah, well, I think if Phil doesn't come on the podcast, we're I, finding him. Or we should let more numbers of his cell phone out when we leave the voicemail. I've so been we can checking. All call. I've been checking the YouTube, yes. and there'll be a comment like someone wrote, "I heard a three, and then yeah. someone responds like, "I heard a two. We're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with the two and ends with the three. I'll tell people. Does it that. really? Yeah. Yeah, because I think we've let the 201 from the 201 area no, come. Not what? Now you just gave away oh, three more. Three. Oh, gosh. Now you got to research the other 9 million possibilities of the 201 area oh, code. Oh, my gosh. You're crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have uh, Gronk at the end. And then uh, in about 15, 20 minutes, we're going to have Dean Jones, our BR football insider from London. Uh, him and Sims talked about Sims's theory. Will NFL would NFL players, if they played soccer their entire lives, be better than Ronaldo and Messi? Yes. He was great. His was accent great. was great. It's phenomenal. And he buttons his top button, so it's hard for me not to not like the guy. He is kind of I remember when we used to see him when they were launching BRUK. Yes. And he would pop up there with his top button buttoned, and you're like, I like this guy. He buttons his top button. Yes. One thing I know you're not gonna like what? ACL epidemic. Uh. We're up to six already. Who did I miss? Somebody happened this week? Lions fullback oh. Nick Bauden and Vikings rookie defensive end Hercules Mata'afa. Ooh. We are up to six ACLs already. Gosh. ACL epidemic. Six is, what did we get last offseason? Do you remember? I think it was like 32. 32 at check. the end of minicamp. I mean, yeah, training before camp. Before the season started. Okay. So, okay, six. You got room for 26 more somewhere in there. <laughs> it's right. It's usually between 26 and 32. You know, it's, it's 90 guys, all big, all strong. All trying to impress, all uh, for the most part, mentally thinking that they're doing these type of things. And that's why it happens. Plus, to the fact, again, I will argue that in the NFL, this day and age, the coaches are more worried about doing walkthroughs in practice than they are getting their players physically in peak condition to actually play at their highest level. I think that's what's being lost more than anything. I think it's a big reason for injuries throughout the year. They're not ramping them up. They're making them go right away. Go right away, right. It's just not the way it was done in the old days, and I think that's why you see more of these injuries now. I just got an alert from Bleach Report app that says a deal is very close between the Cowboys and Zach Martin, so we know where that stands. Okay, that's good. Uh, Some News always breaks right when we get done our podcast on Wednesdays. Uh, One of them being, kind of known this for a while, Earl Thomas is going to hold out of training camp. Right. Uh, he released an Instagram that said, based on my production over the last eight years, I feel as though I've earned the right for this taken care of as soon as possible. With Earl Thomas's play, do you agree with him? All right. So let, this is a great conversation. All right. So yeah, this is different to me than like Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Khalil Mack, those guys. And, and let's say, let's just say, leave it at that. Khalil Mack. OBJ, Aaron Donald, they're on their rookie contract. So let's let's go apples to apples with Julio Jones, a guy that's been around the league almost the same amount of time, right? Julio's seen a ton of money. We know that. Earl's seen a good amount of money. My big thing here with Julio and the difference between what Earl Thomas is doing. First of all, I believe that Julio Jones is still... in the conversation for one of the top three receivers in football, right? And you don't feel that way about Earl anymore. I don't think you could say that about Earl. I don't think realistically you can even come close to saying that. And that's I'm trying not to disrespect a guy that's an F, an, a fellow Longhorn. When you went through your top safeties, 
I don't know if he was in your top seven. I don't think he is. So that's right. We're going to talk about this live, and we'll go through it. Like we'll just because he's definitely not like top three, four, anything like that. Now he's being paid like he is the sixth highest paid safety in sport in football, right? Mm. Uh, the only guys ahead of him: Eric Berry, Rashad Jones, Cam Chancellor, Marcus Joyner, Harrison Smith. He's number six. He's counting as ten million dollars against the the salary cap this year, right? He's getting eight point five, I think, right. somewhere base salary. Um, all right, NFC East alone. Let's just start there. Uh, I think your guy from the Philadelphia Eagles, Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins, Jenkins, is probably surpassed him by a, a hair. Either way, I know Landon Collins is better yes. than him, right? So there's the a- NFC East. Let's go to the NFC South. The NFC South, I'm definitely taking Keanu O'Neill. I know this is a strong safety and he's a free safety, but Earl comes in the box and Keanu goes back sometimes. We're talking about safeties in general. So out of the NFC South... I think that's really... I don't think anyone in the Saints, no one in the Panthers. Right. A lot of goods. Uh, no one in the Bucks. Bucks. Nobody there. Okay, now you go to the NFC North. Okay. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, certainly, right? The Bears, I don't think there's anybody there Glover yet. Glover Quinn? Glover Quinn, I don't think so. I'm going to give Earl the edge there. And okay. Green Bay, as much as I like that Josh Jones, I'm not going to put him there yet either. Right. Okay, so then there's that. All right, now we go to the NFC. What do we got? The NFC West. West. The NFC West. You Marcus know, Joyner? That would be the only guy in the division I'm going to put ahead of him. Yes. LaMarcus Joyner is really... Tyra Matthews gone. Yes. He's a younger Earl Thomas. He plays the position almost very similar to the way Earl does. Throws his body around, that kind of guy. So, yeah, I'm going to put him. So you got McCourty on the Patriots. Right. Uh, you're not. Are you going to put I'm gonna Poyer? Put, I'm going to put Jamal Adams, mm. right from the Jets. Sure. Right. So that's the AFC East. Also, I think like guys like Micah Hyde are in the conversation. I was going to say with Earl, but I'm not even out of respect for Earl. Let's say let's give Earl the benefit of the doubt there. Okay. okay? So we got Jamal and Devin McCourty out of the AFC East that I'll take above them. Right. Not going to count Rashad. I don't think Rashad's quite as good, and I don't think we're going to put Minka Fitzpatrick in that category not yet. yet. Now you get to the AFC North. I mean, Eric Weddle or... I think Tony Jefferson's Tony the one Jefferson. there. That's really the one that's in that conversation. Very close between him and yeah, Earl. Who would you pick? I would probably pick Tony just because he's a little wow. younger and he has a little less wear and tear on his body. Gotcha. Right? Okay, so there's that. Cincinnati, I don't think anybody in that class. Sean Davis is maybe approaching that, but not quite not there fair. yet. AFC South? Damn. I, I'd probably take both Jacksonville safeties. Just to start there, Barry Church and Tashawn Gibson are awesome. Wow. So there's that. Barry Church over Earl Thomas? Well, it's close. There's a total different guy. But Barry Church is a player. He's, wow. a, he's a strong safety. Okay? He's a huge guy. Tyron Matthew? I'm, Texans? I'm going. It's close, but I would probably take Tyron over him as well. Who, who do the Titans get? Bayard? You mean the all-pro safety? Right. We had people ask him oh, how you feel about so him, So he's really good. So there's another guy in that conversation. Then you get to Eric Barry of the Chiefs. That's right. And then maybe the rest of the AFC West. I don't know if there's anybody else there. Derwin? When we's on the radar, but not there yet. Yeah. I think that's it. But so roughly, we're saying right there, he's somewhere between eight and twelve. Yeah, realistically, right. And he's a guy that's smaller. He's five ten. He's two hundred and five pounds. He's been hurt a lot through yes, the last few years. This guy that broke his leg two years ago and said he might retire from football. Does everybody forget that? And went also, to the Dallas Cowboys locker room and said that I would come get me. So how would you feel like the Seattle Seahawks? Are you going to feel warm and cozy and say, oh, yeah, Earl, we'll throw you a bunch more money out Let's there. Let's put our heads into the head of John Schneider. Yeah. Cam Chancellor might not ever play again. Yes. Does that make him more valuable? It does. 
Okay, that, so that's one thought. That helps, yes. Great Two, point. Yep. It seems as though Seattle's resetting their entire franchise. Exactly. Do you want Earl to usher in the new team? That's the question. That's the million-dollar question. I think that's exactly it. That's where I was going to go Because that's next. where you're going. If he doesn't want to be there, do you want him around the new team? Right. But yet he's also that guy that's Mr. Work Ethic, Mr. Detail, to where you go, damn, and he was here of our glory days. He can maybe show these new young guys that are coming into the system how it's done the right way. Mm. So that's where I find this conversation fascinating because I don't think he has a lot of ground to stand on to ask for Seattle for more money. Now, he might be able to get more guaranteed money just to set him up that way. Right. But this is different than the Julio situation where Julio you has— You still believe is a top three guy and is not being paid like that He's anymore. being paid like number seven or eight. And he and should you're, be. You're looking at Earl's getting six, and he should be more in the 11, 12. Yes, race. right. So that's but right. This goes back to what we've always talked about. Yes. Players want to get paid for what they've accomplished. I know. And the teams want to pay them for their potential. Yes. And Earl is, I don't want to say out of potential. He's on I, the downslope of his career. Yes. It's not, we're not trying to be mean. It's a, a 30 year old safety who's smaller and been an awesome player and thrown his body around like a How human missile. How do you handle missile. this if you're the team? It's going to be delicate. Of course it is. I mean, very delicate. If you're the team and you really feel like, okay, we'd like to keep him around because of the reasons that we stated, right? That he's a good locker room guy, understands the system, does everything right. Then you got to find a way, three-year contract that's basically two years worth of money that can be somewhat respectable for both of you, right? That's what we need to know. Yes. Is what is Earl looking for? Yes. Because if Earl's looking for, like, top three money— right. Then Seattle's kind of facing one of those, and their secondary is so bad right now. I know. Like, the Seahawks could be really bad next year. It's, it's definitely big questions on the defensive side of the ball. It's, it's better be Schottenheimer and Russell and Rashad Penny better get oh loose gosh. because they're going to they're gonna have to make some magic. I agree. It's, it's a fascinating combo, that one, just to see where it goes. Where do you think it ends? Um, because the other caveat I throw into this, too, is like, does Seattle sign him to a three-year extension? That's respectable money. Do they try to shop him after that to Dallas or some of those teams and go, okay, now we can get something for you. Maybe we'll shop you a little bit. If you right. want to go to Dallas so bad, tell your agent to call Jerry and figure out a way to get you there. That yeah. helps us, too. We're not just going to shop you off or ship you off for nothing. It's just funny. Seattle probably thought they were getting rid of all the talkers, the Richard Shermans, the Michael Bennetts, and moving on. Yeah. And here's Earl going, no, 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 no. You still got to pay me. Mm-hmm. I watched all these other new contracts, all these other ups, re-ups and all that stuff. Yeah. You think by the start of the season he's on the Seahawks? And do you think he's playing with if a new you may, deal? If you made me bet, I'm going to say yes and yes. New deal, and he's with the Seahawks. I've always thought that of all of those players, yeah. Seattle fans liked Earl Thomas the most. I think so. I feel like it's um, him or... I don't know. You think they liked him more than Cam? I do think they liked him more do than you? Cam. I feel like Earl, You would have a better feel of than me because you're on social media more. I just feel like Cam was the great complimentary piece to Earl. Yeah. Like, I feel like people viewed Earl just... Earl would always be the guy where I'd see a video clip online of him chasing a guy oh. from 30 yards away, and people would be like, no one else can do that. Oh. Earl, I mean, Earl, the first time I saw Earl it was on the field at Texas, and they were playing Alabama in the national championship game. And I knew Earl was going to be a first-round pick when I was sitting there watching him, but holy crap. I mean, Earl's a human missile. He's a special player. In his prime, he is, he's Hall of Fame-type safety. Mm. I mean, that's what kind of player he is. Uh, I know. It's interesting with them, with their defense. I feel like their three Boy Scouts are the only one that are still there. 
Russell Wilson. Well, and I'm talking about the defense oh, more. Bobby, Bobby Wagner, Wagner, KJ Wright. Never really hear them pop off about never. anything, right? Bobby they, Wagner only talks about himself not getting respected. Maybe. That's it. But he never causes problems with the team or anything like that. He always seemed to be the guy on the sideline trying to calm down Richard Sherman yeah. or whatever. Who's the third? Uh, and CJ, KJ Wright. Same well, kind of guy. Two. I, and or Earl. Earl was the third. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, I'm gotcha. saying those three have always kind of been the most teams yeah. perception guys, at least. Khalil Mack's going to hold out. Yeah. How do you think Gruden and Reggie McKenzie handle this? They're going to sign him at some point. They're going to have so much money in Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, and Khalil Mack. Yeah, I know. They are, but... Khalil's worth every penny. Khalil is... Uh, I mean, he's in the conversation for the best defensive player in the sport. He was how the NFL quick, defense MVP. How quick until Gruden is going out there and he's just pissed that Khalil Mack's not there and he says something in the media that's taken the wrong way? Uh, ooh, I don't think he'll say something wrong to be taken by the media the wrong way. He's very smart, especially with star players. He's going to realize that Khalil Mack, first of all, is respected in the locker room and he knows he's a good guy, like truly a good guy. So he's going to be careful about how he attacks this situation. Uh, this will be one of those things, I think it'll be the opposite. Gruden will continue to blow him through the media and just hoping to keep everything good because he hasn't had a lot of time around him yet. And I think that's one of those things where Khalil and them figure out a deal like the first week of training camp because Gruden's going to get, he's going to get pissed off at the team. He's gonna get pissed off the Raiders. He's gonna be my toy's not here. You know, my big strong, my big strong muscular fucker that looks good off the bus. Yes. I need him for us. Yeah. And, and he's gonna start I build saying my that. whole defense around. Exactly him. right. Yeah, because Paul Gunther already came out and said he's missing a ton. Yeah. And I'm gonna be like, come on, Paul. Come on. Paul. What's so hard about your defense? Oh Paul? my gosh, Paul. Oh, Khalil, I'm third down. Put your hand on the ground and go get the quarterback. Oh, that's that's how we taught it all year when you weren't here, Khalil. Good well, job. That's what's so <laughs> funny is like I talked to you about minicamp and I realized it's all walk through an elementary stuff. Yeah. And the coaches still feel as though they're teaching Harvard Business School and that these guys aren't gonna be able to pick it up because they've never played football before. It's the funniest I get in conversations with this with like my coach friends during the draft every year, where there's there's a receiver every year that's he ran four three two. He's got the fastest three cone drill and the second fastest five ten five. I'm not sure if he can run routes. Oh, I know. Well, what route are you going to make him I run know. the most? I, I mean, I know. This great athlete, the greatest athlete we're seeing right now. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be able to go run to the 10-yard line and then make a left. I don't I don't know if he'll be able to do that. That I mean, was funny. I sent you a clip of Gruden and Brett Favre doing their QB camp together. Did you watch it? Yes. I, I, I remember seeing it. I thought what was so great was Brett was talking about how, if he, how he worked on his own RPO. If he wanted to create something new in the offense, he just did it. And then the coaches would go, oh, that actually worked. And he said in the video, if you ask a coach, they're all going to be like, oh, this is how we've always Especially done it Especially not those lives. coaches. Those are West Coast, like yeah. we talk about all the time. And it was funny because Gruden was just lapping it up. Oh, because he knows. like, yeah. But it goes to what we've always said. Yes, and the West Coast guys, I'll say like this you to said. young people out there, too. Yeah. Yeah. If you're at your job, now don't do anything to get in trouble, right. but if you have a really good idea, show that it works and then pitch it to your boss. That's right. If you go to your boss and go, I have this idea, they're going to go, another young idiot with an idea. Just do it, show that it works, and then show success. Don't show the potential. It's uh, you know, it's like, really every industry. It is. But football is just very slow. Very slow. It just, oh, you got to show me this play 10 times on video to prove to me that it works. Oh, okay, coach. Well, the, the first time this play was invented was three weeks ago, so there's not 10 clips of it yet, but I have three clips to show you three completions for 120 yards. Is that enough? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it can be like that. Brett Favre, he said it a few weeks ago, and I never really thought about it until he said it. 
when he goes, I invented the RPO. And at first I was like, oh, Brett, such a knucklehead. And then I sat and I read the rest of the article and I was like, you know what? He really did invent the RPO. He did. He was the first one to be doing those kind of things. He'd get up to the line. He'd go, man, I know we're calling a run, but these corners are 10 yards off. 10 yards off. So and if, they got- you, if we're running right. Right receiver on the left. Just run a one-step slam. Right. Or just turn and look at me. And they got nine guys in the box. We can't block this anyway, so let me throw it to you, and you make a one-on-one move. And then I love how the first. video ended. He goes, nobody could tackle Donald Driver. <laughs> and that's that that's goes back to like our wide receiver discussions. It's easy to say, and you've said this for a long time, that Odell can do everything. But there are guys like Jarvis Landry is amazing at breaking tackles. Yes, he is. That is a skill that he has. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, great at breaking tackles. Right. Odell, good at breaking tackles. Yes. Antonio Brown, good at breaking tackles. Right. Julio Jones, great at breaking yes. tackles. And the three guys you said at breaking tackles, they all got you know a little legs more and legs ass. and ass on them to be able legs to break that. Ass. You're right. Antonio and Odell are going to be more based on making you miss in a flag football game right. or a two-hand touch game. That's what they're really trying they're to gonna do. They're going to embarrass you with their miss. They're going to cross you over. And you're going to go, what? There wasn't even a basketball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we got two wide receiver stories, and we're going to get to our interview with Dean. Uh, first one happened right after the podcast. Julian Edelman suspended. Man. Uh, here's where it's interesting. It's an unknown substance that is still being studied by scientists to figure out what it is. Yeah. Don't know how you get suspended when we don't know what it is. That seems a little bit weird, but yeah. it triggered the test. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, but this is, this is what happens in... Everybody was asking what you're, how hot you're going to get. About well, this. I mean, you guys know how I feel. I hate. I don't like this. This is. Hey, it's Cheaterville. It makes me question everything about Julian Edelman. I questioned him before this. Why? Because I just haven't seen a whole lot of white receivers or white athletes built like Julian Edelman with their shirt off than when I saw him. He was a different level, even from the Wes Welkers and the Brandon Stokely's of the world. You were saying that when you first saw Julian Edelman, I even sh- then you questioned. I was shocked at how densely ripped he was for that kind of guy. And you were impressed. Extremely. I mean, I was there the year that he took over the starting job from Wes Welker. And I was in you know OTAs and training camp, and I was like, man, this kid is lightning. I mean, he's, he's better than Wes Welker. And he was outperforming Wes, and he started It's a little dangerous when you look back and you question it now after the test. Or does the test allow you to question well, it? Well, the test, the test is, allows me to question it. And, and, and Julian Edelman, I know he works hard. And, man, I, I like him. I really like Julian. But, yeah, this makes me question. And this is what happens with cutting. This is what happens with cutting-edge drugs. They don't know what they are. People didn't know what HGH was or some of the other things they were finding in Balco until they exposed Balco. And then they went back to test urine samples and they said, oh, this is what this guy had in his piss. We couldn't figure it out. Man. So the drug industry is always a step ahead of the testing industry. Are you going to ever be able to look at Edelman the same or is this going to be in the back of your head? Always. Back of my head. Really? Yeah. I can't, I can't ever look at this the same. No. This is, I, again, it's, it's, it's the, the one saving grace I look at is the fact that it did happen after the injury. Right, so to where I go, may- maybe he was just to come back from this. Maybe injury. hopefully he was just doing it to get healthy. But the question's still going to be there for me. Yes, it's interesting. If it's just to get back from injury, at least there's like a motive and a reason that kind of makes sense. But it does make you think: Was it the whole time? This is what questions me. My last thing about this, because I know you're looking at me like you talk too much. Not at up. all. But this is my my this other is me practicing theory. not interrupting. Uh, you. 
this is my other, fucking hard. My other theory with Julian Edelman, because I've had these conversations with like coach friends too like, in the past before the, this. Before this, because people have always marveled about Julian a little bit, because players like Julian, black or white, slot receivers. When you're asked to be that guy that he was in that offense, so dependable, so many catches every game, so many routes, run blocking. It's a lot of contact. They usually wear out. Because you're right in the middle of everything. He was one of the few I can always say, but damn, he looks like he's faster January 9th than he was September 9th. And that was always a little bit, I think, red flags for a lot of people in football. You're but, telling me that people have been thinking this way about yeah, Julian for a been, long time? Julian Edelman's been, there's a lot of people that, yes. They're, they've been suspect of Julian Edelman. Certainly. I thought the most telling part yeah. was that after it happened, the first comment was not from Julian Edelman. The first comment was not from his teammates. Yeah. The first comment was not from the Patriots. Who was it? Alex Guerrero oh, right. had a comment ready to go yeah. within an hour. Yeah, because he wasn't going to get his ass thrown in there. And it said, I've known Julian since his rookie year. He's a phenomenal athlete who takes his training seriously. It's disappointing to hear today's news. Elite athletes sometimes work with multiple coaches and health professionals as part of their off-season training. He works with the Patriots, and he works with Guerrero. Yeah. Who else is Julian Edelman working with? They have other guys, though. See, that's what they do. They separate so nobody knows. the fact that Guerrero's first thing is, I've known him for a long time, this is disappointing, and the second line was, he probably works out with other people. Now I'm sitting there going, i got to know who these other people are. Yeah, well, I know. Who else was Julian? Guerrero's got to protect his own turf, right? Because the New England Mafia is going to come after him. They're going to go, oh, gosh, this is probably Guerrero's fault. I'll tell you what. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady told Guerrero to come up with a statement. I wouldn't be shocked Because the first thing I thought was, if this was Guerrero, Brady screwed. I would think think you're right. Gronkowski's in that limit. So it's on Guerrero. For him to be good to the other guys, he needs to make that statement. And I, I did ask Gronk, and by the way, End of the podcast, Gronkowski interview. Cool. Uh, brought to you by Tide. But I applaud. I applaud that for him. That and and this, but this That's is what, what you've always said. Yes. If you're innocent, speak your truth. Speak your truth. You know, again, and Edelman apologized. Right. I'm very he sorry. I don't, I don't know, know what, what happened. happened. Come on. That, I've that's... taken many, many tests over, obviously, over the course of my career. And nothing like this has ever happened. Yeah. Okay. Great. But I don't. That's. I don't care about all that. Now I don't know what happened. Come on. Come on. That's. Come on. We know. And that's what stinks about it. And I think the other thing I was just going to say, that's what happens, too. Ryan Braun screwed this up for everyone. Guys train with trainers, but then find other guys to do their illegal stuff. Because they don't want their trainer to know that. I'm Mr. Johnny Hardworker to you. You see me in this good light. And mm. I keep making gains. And I feel good about it when I come to see you. I'm just more fascinated by the fact that I. what other players do you and your coach's friends wonder about? Is that a, is that a dangerous game to play right now? I, I I feel like everybody is uh, nobody knows what to believe anymore. No, Julian Edelman is one of the guys that is just through years of conversation here and there, where guys you know having to come. Hey, what, do you think he's on something? Like those kind of things. That happens a lot. Damn right, right. Well, it like I said, it's a special build. It's a special wiring procedure there. For again, I'm not you know, for a white boy supreme. I think the thing that I've always looked at Julian Edelman was the story of the multiple sports. He yep. played quarterback. Yep. He was that versatile, like compact slot guy. That I went his his past playing career kind of lends to someone like this. But durability is hard to question. Yes, it's funny. It's like I was thinking about this when I was watching LeBron. Is there another player that during the week? 
we celebrate how, can you believe he hasn't gotten hurt in 15 years? Okay. But then when the game starts and he holds his hand, we go, oh, he's milking an injury. I know. Like, it, like so we we never really, qu- and, and these questions come up for LeBron. Yeah. Is LeBron on HGH? Yeah, right, all these questions. Right. And, and we just go, no, that's naturally his body. Your point with Edelman is name another person with his body. That's my point. Exactly. With that body that never wears down and continues to get stronger as the year goes at times. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there's just maybe I'm wrong, and I hope I am. I hope he. And the big test for me will be to see what he looks like when he plays this year. Not only to see what he looks like as he's actually running and moving, but I want to see what he looks like in the uniform. You know me. I am going to have my. Well, it's tough. He's coming off an ACL injury, too. I know. I know. You're right. It's not going to be totally the same guy. Yeah, I get it. It is disappointing because, look, none of us want. Any of these athletes to get busted? No, it's the worst. It sucks. I, it, it sucks. I look at it too now more than just cheating, but I look at it as the fact of I, as a father, look at it now. That's mm. where it's even made me more harsh about. I think about that as a father too. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean as a father? Because I, when my, I got to explain to my son, Dad, why is number eleven suspended for four games? Because he cheated, son. He cheated. He just he wasn't. He didn't feel like he was good enough himself, so he took illegal drugs to make himself better. Like I don't want. Have wanna, you had that explanation? Well, yet? yeah. I just don't like to have those conversations. Which player did you have to explain to Philip? Man, the first one that came to my mind was Deflate Gate a little bit. I remember having to explain that to him and right. being like, "Damn, I got to do this to him." But no, I don't know if I've had to explain any steroids instances quite yet. Where, if you'd like, yes, bring Philip on the pod and have the conversation we'll for talk the first it time out. here. We'll yeah. talk it out. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be adorable. What do you mean, Dad? I like Julian. <laughs> the other wide receiver I want to talk about is uh, T.O. Oh, Terrell Owens. Big uh, right after our podcast. Uh, released a statement saying he was humbled and overwhelmed about, you know, finally getting into the Hall of Fame, but then said, after visiting Ken earlier this year, I came to the realization that I wish to celebrate what will be one of the most memorable days of my life elsewhere. At a later date, I will announce where and when I will celebrate my induction. And boy, did it upset people. We had a former columnist of the New York Daily News, Gary Meyer, say if I would have known he wouldn't have shown up, I wouldn't have voted for somebody who would have shown up. Uh, Steve Young came out recently and said... All right, stop before we go there. Okay, let's go to the media Right there, Gary Myers. That's just, it's not your job. Your job is to vote on people who should be in the Hall of Fame, not to make some stance on whether you think they're going to be there or not. That's not what we're asking you to do. You're I right. like Gary. Gary's a good guy. You're not, your job is not to value this guy off the field or how he treated you. All I want to know, was he one of the greatest receivers of all time and did he deserve to be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame? That's a great point. Gary, so you're going to pick someone who's not as good because he's going to show up to a, to a, 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 a ceremony? Right, or not handle to a, a luncheon? Right. So that right off the bat, I don't want to hear that. I that's, have a feeling you and me are cool. going to be agreeing on this. I, I think so too. Okay, Steve Young comes out and says, the relationship with the Hall of Fame for him has been difficult because they delayed his time getting in, obviously Mm -hmm. talking about T.O. I'm sure there's resentment and scar tissue about it, but I beg him to reconsider. Forget about I'm mad at the voters, I'm mad at the system. The damage that could be done by not uh, going could overwhelm him for a period of time. He said it could be permanent. So this is Steve Young, who has vouched for Terrell Owens for a long time, saying, please come. What do you think about that? Well, I, I it's great that he's saying that. I understand him wanting the player. The, the only thing I would push back there is, what damage? What like you, like what what what's the damage that's going to be done? I mean, people are talking about him the way they talk about him, anyways, right? 
Uh, I mean, he's, you know, the people who don't want to like T.O. don't like him. There's nothing that can change it, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. So what damage? And then are you telling me, like, card companies are going to be like, you know, we were going to give you 100000 to sign Hall of Fame cards, but we're not now because you're not at the ceremony. No. So it's not going to do any damage. In fact, I'm going to argue the opposite, that it makes them more popular. You're stealing my left card PR. <laughs> okay, keep, do you want to? Well, I, I think that what's really funny is when this happens, people are never able to be empathetic and put their mind into that person. Mm-hmm. That for the last 10 years, we have derided this human being as selfish, self-centered, egotistical, and have taken shots for our benefit for a decade, if not more. That he has been one of the most beleaguered and made to be evil people of all time. Right. We made this guy look awful. Right. And who has been leading the charge? I would say it's probably been two groups at the head. Number one, media people. Right. Media people love taking shots at Terrell Owens. He's selfish. Teams wanted to run away from him. They're the ones that kept him out of the Hall of Fame. And you know the other group that's probably been the other derisive with him? Hall of Famers. Yeah. These old guys that just would come out of the woodwork and be like, I wouldn't want T.O. on my team. I don't know if I want him on my team in the Hall of Fame wearing the gold jacket. And now this guy's supposed to be excited to go to a luncheon. I thought about what is the benefit of going for Terrell Owens? Yeah. The benefit of going is you get to be in a room. With all these people, and they shake your hand and tell you how great you are and welcome to our family. Well, doesn't that just seem fake as hell? Don't you feel like he'd go there and be like, all of you guys talked crap about me, and now I'm in, and now you want to be my best friend? I don't think anyone knows the reality of our media and our sphere better than someone that's faced it head on. And that's T.O. He's seen everybody for their true colors. The same people that called him a scumbag are now going to shake his hand and go, "Uh, let's forget about all of it. Maybe he doesn't want to forget about all of it. Maybe he thinks it's fake. The the biggest thing that people are saying he's missing out on is a luncheon. You know how corny that is? That's a lot. to, To be there and you're the main attraction, it just, I don't think he needs to be over it yet. Because I don't think that, I think that some of the members of the Hall of Fame and some of the media members should apologize to him. And I don't think he's ever going to get that. And I don't think people ever think they need to apologize to him. They think he still needs to apologize. And the true thing is, it's supposed to be about family and friends and loved ones. Maybe he doesn't feel comfortable there. Left go PR? Yeah. I'm setting up, if I'm Mm T.O., the same day as the Hall of Fame. Right. When they give their speeches, I'm giving my speech. And I'm working with somebody like Bleacher Report or somebody like a broadcaster, and I'm going to televise it too. Smart. Because here's the deal. Yeah. Of all the guys giving speeches, right. and this is an all-time year, yeah. who do you want to hear from the most? Let's go back and forth. T.O. or Erlacher? <sighs> yeah, Get I know T.O. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. T.O. or Ray Lewis? Yeah, I still want to listen to T.O. I want to listen to T.O. Let's say I'm not in the mood for a 45-minute sermon for a guy that I don't think has great moral fiber and the last two years has said a lot of questionable shit. Okay, I got you. T.O. or Brian Dawkins? I'm the biggest Brian Dawkins fan in the world, and I would vote for T.O. To listen to, yes. Yes, because Brian Dawkins is... He's going to say a speech that's going to make me get get emotional, but for the population, T.O. Right. T.O. or Randy Moss? That's that's the one. And I'd still pick T.O. Probably would, too. Randy Moss has a better accent. Yeah. Randy Moss is good. 
But I don't know what T.O.'s going to say. Yes. And I think if T.O. broadcasted his speech at the same time, it might get better ratings. Yeah. It might be harder to find. Right. But I think it'd be more entertaining. I think Bleacher Report should get on that, actually. I, Sims and Lefko. Yeah, Sims and Lefko. <laughs> we've, we've cornered the market. So you agree with me on a lot of that? I agree with you, I think, on everything. I mean, yes, I'm with you, man. Um, yeah, okay, it's a special day. He's been mistreated by the media and the players, just like you've talked. And, oh, it's a special day, one of the best days of his career. Why would he want to go, like you said, go hang out with a bunch of Fugazis on a special day when he can be somewhere with his family and people that love him and that have thought nice things about him for a long, long time? And, by the way, man, is there worse people in the Hall of Fame other than Terrell Owens? I don't remember people getting so angry about you know uh, Chris Carter or Michael Irvin, who had drug problems. Right, but they, they, for some reason that was okay. Uh, so that bothers me, along with the fact going back to the Gary OJ Myers thing. Right, right. Going back to what kind of the Gary Myers thing. That's what bothers me about the Hall of Fame more than anything. This power complex, the power given to the media over this, to where I don't know where they got the right to dictate people's future careers about how they played on the field when most of them were writing articles while they were playing and not really watching the game. Of course. That's what bothers me about it more than anything. You know, again, I'll go back to my, you know, I'll yes. T- I'll I, tell you why you feel that way. Yeah. When your dad was playing, yeah. m- journalism and media was real. And they were the arbiters. They were the only ones that could go to every game and watch every game. They were the only ones that talked to the players. Now, we're going to get to this in a little bit. I mean, we have articles that are just about takes yeah. and opinions yeah. and clicks. And so the respect, like I, like someone the other day was like, well, that doesn't fit your journalistic view. And I went, look, I'm not a journalist anymore. I was. Like when I worked for news organizations, I was. I'm just a guy that talks right now. Right. And I know the difference. But I don't think people do. And a lot of these journalists, they don't act journalistically anymore. No, it's, it's well, uh, you know, listen. There's, there's just not a lot of respect. Well, I mean, the, Brian Urlacher getting in on first ballot and Terrell Owens having to wait for third ballot does not make sense. I forgot that like the last five years of right. Urlacher's career, he was like number one on the most overrated list voted on by the players. Well, I, I mean, Urlacher, I'll say he. Is not a, saying he's yeah, deserving, but I know. not. Yeah, yeah he, was over, I, he was overrated in the fact that people thought he was a little better than he actually was towards the end of his career, right? There's definitely. Lost so many steps. Uh, and yes, he, he did. Um, but yeah, that fact alone, why? Because Urlacher was a nice guy yes. in a big media market, yes. all that. I mean, Terrell Owens is hands down one of the three greatest receivers of all time. Not Nobody, I don't think anybody's going to argue that. So that's where I just get annoyed. I get annoyed with the media's power in this situation to where they can dictate whether guys got in the Hall of Fame right. or not. I don't understand that. I don't. Nobody gets to write on the the uh, professional. Why don't athletes get to vote on professional writers and their Hall of Fame? Because I read, I write. In fact, I'm technically more prepared to vote on their job than they they are in my job. So that's what I don't get. Here's my big metaphor for why I think it's okay for To to do this. To me, it sounds like the Hall of Fame is a country club. And they've had this guy that's been wanting to be a member of their country club for a long time. And the members talk shit about him in the newsletter, and they never let him play. But they have a rule at the country club that if you win the public tournament, that you can get a membership. 
And then Tio got the membership and they said, congratulations, you've handled all of our slings and arrows and you finally made it. And then Tio goes, I don't want to be a part of your club. I'm in. Take my bust, put it next to your bust, and we're all Hall of Famers. I don't need the luncheons. I don't need the speeches. I don't need the hotel trips. I don't need the media requirements. It's a great time for the guys when you get to sit there and, like, there's Terry Bradshaw on your right and there's Dan Marino on your left. I'm sure it's great. But if I'm the guy that got shit on by all those, I don't need to hang no. out with well, them. Oh, I, I, yeah. I to me, it. it's just funny. It's just funny at the outrage. If I, uh, if um, it's a community, it's I a team. Think, you never wanted them. No, exactly right. A lot of them talk negatively about him. You're All right. All the time, and not really knowing him or the situation, too, or the details. Just evaluating him from the outside and what's going on. I bet you I could find 20 stories of Hall of Famers taking shots at T over the last 10 years. I would, I would not. I doubt that. I always not think saying about, this happened, but couldn't you see like Lynn Swan says T O needs to be more of a teammate? Like I could just see it. I always think about if. My dad gets inducted to the Hall of Fame a la Kenny Stabler style, right? Oh, post, post after he dies. After he dies? Man, I'm going to show up, but I'm taking his head with me and walking off the stage. Like, I'm, like I, I, I got to have to ask my if dad. If Phil Sims gets into the Hall of yeah, Fame I, after I, he passes away. Yeah, I'll be pissed if that happens. I will be pissed like if that happens that way. And I really will. I, I might steal his head and his jacket and be like, nah, screw you. Phil Sims for the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was, I mean, a part of the Giants like run, and then I don't know, twenty five years as like the main broadcaster on CBS. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever. I just thought I don't know why. I'm I excited. That. You're going to steal his head. Steal his head. Uh, talking about Hall of Famers, Sims firmly believes that if Odell Beckham or Julio Jones or LeBron James, for that matter, grew up in a culture where soccer or football was king. They would be a Hall of Fame player. And now we're going to bring in Dean Jones, our BR Football Insider, to hash this whole thing out. It has been a debate that I have had to listen really one-sided since. Can for a we long just time. introduce this guy and say hello to him first? All right. His name is Dean Jones. You can find him on Twitter at Dean Jones BR. He is the big time football insider for Bleacher Report. And listen to this accent. Dean, how are you, my friend? I'm good, guys. How you doing? Good. What? He doesn't know anything about football if he speaks in that accent. <laughs> what? Glad you called it, I just glad you called it football. That's incredible. I thought you were going to say soccer. <laughs> I, I love know. it. <laughs> All right, so, Dean, I want to fill you in. Dean, Dean is going to be covering the World Cup for Bleach Report. He's going to Russia on Wednesday, which, are you excited about going to Russia? Like, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what to pack. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to be greet me, but I'm happy about. I'm happy to go there and see what it, uh, see what it's going to be like. So, yeah, I think it's going to be good fun. I'm starting off in St. Petersburg. It seems to be a, a cool city, so um, why not? We'll give it a try. Man, I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm excited for. It. I'm a Dean. I'm a coolest soccer fan for the most part here. Okay, too. So I want to lean on you for a lot of information and just have a little World Cup talk in general. Just yes. you know, first of all, I mean, I'm I'm dead serious. I'm more clueless than ever on this because usually I know the US at least, isn't in it. Well, yes, you're right. It's not in the news at all. So I don't even know who the favorites are. I mean, I'm sure Brazil and yeah. Spain are up there. Argentina, but I, yeah, just break it down for us as far as the teams you like this year in He's the. Stalled. In the cup, Sims is no, I just I'd really like to know and just get a get a little conversation here before we start going at each other's throats, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you as you predicted, Brazil are right up there as the favourite. Uh, there's pretty much four teams that everyone's expecting to be among the 
the teams challenging to win it. Brazil, Germany, Spain and France. It looks like it'll be one of those four. But Argentina just behind them if things don't really go to plan. But Argentina so heavily reliant on Lionel Messi. Um, and then you've got obviously Portugal and the Cristiano Ronaldo factor. They're a bit further down the pecking order. Um, but with someone like Ronaldo on board, you can never completely write them off. So um, it's, it's going to be an interesting tournament because there's not one outstanding team that you're like really expecting to win it. It could come from one of four, really. And if, if it really opens up, then one of six. Do, do for for the novices like me and the, and the people that are listening on our podcast that I'm sure aren't like diehard football <laughs> fans or soccer fans, for your yeah. money right now, who's, who is the best uh, footballer in the world? Oh. It's going to be the Messi Ronaldo question again. Yeah, so, but it's, it's, the, so it's, it's down the to those two. LeBron discussion. Okay, I just wanted to make sure if it was still down to those two. I didn't know if a Neymar got in that discussion now or somebody else that I didn't know about. But it's, so it's still yeah, those he's two. Close to it. Neymar's close to it, but you still have to look at Ronaldo and Messi. And I mean, I, the way I kind of describe it is that Messi is the best footballer in the world because in terms of natural talent, in terms of the way that he runs with a football, in terms of the things that he could do, you literally cannot teach the way that that guy runs. He is the best footballer in the world. But Cristiano Ronaldo has taken himself to a level that you didn't really expect him ever to get to. He works harder than you could ever have imagined to put himself in that same bracket as Messi. He probably wasn't, at, you know, when they were younger, off starting out in their careers, Ronaldo wouldn't have looked the same player as Messi, even though he was still very good. But I've got a lot of respect for the fact that he has worked countless hours to get himself to this level. Um, but in terms of, of, as a footballer, I say that Messi's just, just slightly got the edge on him. Okay. Uh-oh. Here comes Lefko. Here comes the first bomb of the interview. <laughs> In ready. this corner. <laughs> Chris Sims is arguing that NFL players, if they played football their entire lives, would be better than Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. He says people like Odell Beckham Jr. would be better. In this other corner, Dean Jones. I have no idea what he's going to say, but I think he's going to call Sims dumb. Crazy and dumb. Sims, let's get your theory. Okay, gosh, I, I, it, it makes this a lot harder when I got to say to this to someone that knows a lot about this sport and I'm really excited. can fight back against me. Come I'm on, like, I'm ready for it. All right, I'm looking so, forward to it. So it, it, again, this is um, I have respect for soccer <laughs> players and football players. I don't want that to be lost in translation here. Okay, I really do. Sure. The Messi's, the Ronaldo's, the old Ronaldo, the Neymar's. I s- clearly see their physical gifts, and I understand they are top tier athletes of the world. My big argument is the fact that football. Yes, footballers in America. Um, if we took our top players. Or even I would argue, too, in this argument, which I don't know, maybe we go a step further here, where I always say if Americans, their best athletes play. NBA or NFL players. Yeah, NBA or NFL players, let's say. If our best athletes played soccer, let's say, from the age or nine, I just feel that. And that's all they played. And that's all they played, that I feel that if we put on the field 
Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Tyree Kill, LeBron James, you know LeBron James, and we had Kevin Durant at goalie that we would be pretty tough to stop uh, because these are some of the most explosive people on the planet, a la their forty times, their vertical jumps, all that stuff. So that's where I argue and push back against you, oh, oh, great soccer oracle. Please push back on me now. Yeah, what do you think? I'm sure you've heard that before, Dean. I haven't actually heard it before. Um, I think that the big issue with it really is that in you know NBA and NFL, the size of the guys, yes, they're, they're so huge. Like that wouldn't really translate into the sport. You know, there's not many huge footballers that have been successful at the elite level. So I, I think that that's going to be a problem. If you look at guys like LeBron and stuff that are six foot eight, Kevin Durant, I think he's six foot nine. You know. You don't get elite level footballers that are that tall. No, I would, I would, I would out. say you're right there because I would want them at goalie. I don't know if they have the quickness <laughs> of feet and things like you're that. You're thinking more the five eleven. I'm, I'm Odell more of Beckham. like the Odell Beckham Jr. who's five eleven and does have at least we've seen some of his footwork with route running and things like that. That's where I go. It could be very interesting. Yeah, I think that there's certainly an argument to be made in terms of their natural ability in terms of sporting. Um, prowess, but I think that, I mean, Odell Beckham, I think, is one of the players that did play soccer when he was younger and actually yes. kind of gave it up once he got to kind of 10, 11 years old and kind of took the other route, went to the other football. And that seems to happen quite a lot with kids over there in the States, is that they do all play soccer at a very young age, right? and then they're kind of taken away from it. I'm not sure whether it's because they actually don't have that same passion for it as other sports, but whatever the reason, it, nobody seems to really persist at it. It's a culture I thing, I think, Dean. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, exactly. Right. It, must, it must be the culture. Odell Beckham, I've seen actually. Uh, he did a thing with Bayern Munich once, and so I've seen him kick a football, and he can kick it, but I wouldn't say he was ever going to be uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo, even if he practiced every day. Um, what How I dare you? Well, the, the one question. <laughs> I would have about translating NFL and NBA skills into our football or soccer is that your sport is it's so based around short bursts of set plays. And right. So much rehearsing goes into it. They, they, your guys are so intelligent to take on so much information and in a split second decide which play they're going to make and run it. And that is, that doesn't really happen in our game. You know, you'll you'll you might have a corner kick that you work on, but you don't do. You, you have like three routines that you need to know, and the same with a free kick. You know, right. you don't have all these this this book of plays that you've got to go through. So I think that in terms of intelligence, then there probably is something in, in your your athletes that ours don't so much need. But then there's also the, the flip of that is you've got to get through a ninety minute game without without stopping. You're, you're not getting coached um, every, every yes there's not so 90 commercial breaks and right I, I like right. what you say though yeah. from, from an endurance perspective yes soccer guys we talked about this recently NFL guys you run in six seconds right soccer guys you don't stop running it's certain no it's it is it's a good car it's a different kind of shape it's a different kind of running either way I would like to think that the Ronaldos of the world if he trained on short bursts, he could be really he could be even faster. You now see he might him, die right. out. And I also would like to think that the Odell Beckham Juniors of the world, if they had to be more endurance based, they could. Right. Um, it's truly a nature versus nurture. It is a little bit. You're saying that the athletes in the NFL and the NBA are 
in terms of all the measurables, better athletes. Right. But the the argument I always hear from the football side right. is these guys grew up in a culture where it's ingrained in them from birth, yes. and you can't teach that anywhere I, else. I, I hear that. Do you agree with that, yeah, I think that's totally true. I think that, you know, I, I've spent quite a lot of time in the States. My wife's American, so I've been around people that like our football, but they they talk about it in a completely different way to how it's understood here. And I see some MLS teams like LASC, and they, they start up a team, and they have their perception of what good, what it is to be a good fan is kind mm. of put into the stadium. And it, it does look cool, but it's all set up and rehearsed. And whereas in Europe, in South America, it's just passion and it's, it is inside of you. And I think that that's the one thing that you'd have to have ingrained in you. But I mean, look, America, you've, you're a melting pot, so you've got enough different cultures to call upon. I think that that's, you know, the American national team for football should be better because I think that the amount of people you've got out there that do love yes. the game, you're just not calling upon enough of them to play it. I mean, your, your college system and the facilities that you've got, there's nothing else like that in the world. In Europe, you know, I go to college and play our football. I'm literally playing in a field in front of three people mm. and a man walking his dog. You know, I'm not playing in a stadium. I'm not, I'm not getting that kind of thing. You're having to go to the actual clubs and their academies to get anything like that. So America actually... There's a kind of missed opportunity right now because you're right. You, you have these brilliant athletes and so many American athletes have an incredible mindset where they believe that they are the best. There's, a, there's an attitude of being an American that is very unlike anywhere else in the world where you believe you set your mind to it and you can be the best. It's a good and thing and a bad that, thing in our country. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But taking the positives from it, yeah, could produce better footballers, but I just don't think there's enough out there that want to be because they'd rather be an NBA or an NFL player. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a lot to do with it. D- Dean, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Like, yeah, just your overall, you kind of just said it, your overall view, but what is this, like, just even your, your fellow countrymen, just them, what's their overall view of American soccer? And... Do they, does, the, does the world even really want America to get good at soccer? I mean, maybe the world's just sick of hearing about America in general and anything, so they're just <laughs> glad they get a break from that word during soccer. <laughs> it's, um, it's, people are taking it more seriously now. I mean, you've, you've had some big names there now, and you just signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic over there at LA yeah. Galaxy, and that's a big name. So it makes people watch it. I still think that the, the thing that people struggle to get their head around is the fact that you have a guy like Blatham, who's one of the biggest stars in the world and you know, has earned huge amounts of money. He could be playing alongside a guy who is earning kind of $40,000 a year and is nowhere near the kind of level that Blatham is. I think that while that exists in the league, it's hard for people to take it seriously because it's, it's just not like anywhere, any other leagues that we have here. They're, they're professional leagues where everybody, is, everybody in the team is pretty much the same level. Um, I think that's the, the big adjustment that people have to take when they watch MLS. But as a result of, uh, of that um, misbalance, if you like, the games are much more exciting sometimes. You get some big score lines, and yes. MLS is on our TV here. You know, the, the main broadcasters do show the games, and definitely more people are talking about it and watching it. So I think it's going to take somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo to come. There. I think yeah. that's right. Right. Zlatan's one thing, but, you know, Ronaldo, I actually wrote a piece from, for Bleach Report earlier in the year about the fact that he wants to end his career um, 
over there and either Miami or LA and that's huge if that happened you oh. know that that's when that's when perhaps you do get guys that were, were going to be thinking of being NFL players thinking actually maybe I'll stick with soccer because a guy like Ronaldo is the kind of role model you need you know yes. that, that's probably the other issue with with why you haven't had a superstar footballer yet is because there's not really been the role model there's been people like David Beckham and stuff like that but if Ronaldo was there still you know, kind of in his prime. If he was to come in two years' time, he'd still be in great shape. And I think people would really relate to that. Yes. What about American football in England? I'm just curious. You've actually we, – we hear all these stories. Oh, they're selling out Wembley. Oh, yeah, maybe they're going to move a franchise. From your litmus test, where is England in terms of accepting the NFL? It's crazy. They sell out in seconds, those matches. You know, you, you really can't get a ticket. Um, and I think that – Certainly in London, where, where I'm based, everyone um, is kind of getting used to NFL. Now, there's still a slight problem in terms of um, when the games are played and getting them onto our screen. It's only really on su- you know, Sundays. You can, you can see it, but you're not going to see everything. Um, but you're getting dedicated fans over here now, more and more of them. I mean, obviously, mm. I work at Bleacher Report, so I probably hear more about it than the average person on the street. But... It wouldn't surprise me at all if a franchise moved over here because every single game would be sold out. Uh, people would buy the jerseys and all the rest of the merchandise. Um, is it genuine? Like, is it genuine stuff. interest, or is it more like this is happening and I want to see what it is? Or do you think there's people that actually have always liked the NFL? I think there's a mixture. I think that there's definitely been a hardcore that have always liked the NFL. I've always heard of people liking it. it was they just did, it wasn't on very often. There was kind of right. like a late night highlight show. It's only in the last few years that you can see pretty much every game if you want to. And I think that people love hype. You know, like I say there about if Cristiano Ronaldo came over to to play in America, suddenly you might care about it more. You want to know more about this guy. It's the same here. If suddenly you had some of those personalities actually on our doorstep, if they were in your face every day and you were hearing about their funny stories, if you were seeing their show reels every day. You're going to be more interested. So sure. I think that it's, it's on our screens more, so people are paying more attention. Certainly the players are, are more recognized than they would have been five years ago. And, yeah, you know, seriously, if someone like Jacksonville ends up moving over to, to London and playing at Wembley or at Tottenham or anywhere else, then I think that um, people would buy into it straight away. Dean, I think your your point first of all about like if we could if Ronaldo came over here somewhat in his prime, I think that's what yeah. it'll take for some of our you know let's say you know those young kids that we go oh he's a superior athlete yeah. if they could see that that can make it gravitate like that's what I think is going to have to happen for soccer in America like that number one high school recruit in football or basketball switches over to soccer that's going right. to open up eyes to where some all of a sudden people are going to go whoa I think it's a combination of that and they need to get one of those crazy salary per week deals. Exactly. That is you have right. to show the financial what they're advantage. Getting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. £300,000 a week and stuff. You know, that's what our guys, you know, when someone makes a big move, you're like, what's that? What are they earning? Oh, £200,000 a week, £300,000 a week. And you're like, whoa, imagine what you could buy if that was going in your bank every week. Like exactly. That's, that's how people start to perceive it. But, you know, you've got, you've got Christian Pulisic at the moment who's kind of like the closest you've got in a while to having. An elite player, if you like. He's at Borussia Dortmund. He's been watched by a lot of big teams. But the problem with him is he's had to leave America to go and pursue his dreams. Right. He's going yes. to Germany at a young age and, and kind of get the coaching he needs. So you just need the whole infrastructure to be around those players as well. Because, you know, USA, 
they've got some good young players in the national team at the moment. They just need to all be on the same page and, and for the next generation to already be right behind them. Right. All right, so wait, more importantly, are you still buttoning your top button? Yes. Okay, because yeah. uh, good. That's Sims, the way. Sims has his top button. Uh, button mine's right button now. right now. We're we're your football UK. I'm football America. We button our top oh, buttons. God. Okay, we so, are one. So uh, imaginary one. fist bump there. Okay. Other thing is, well, Dean, do you get shit for it too? Because a lot of people give Sims crap for t- buttoning his top button. For doing it, you don't really get that here. No, like people quite like it. So, uh, like, I'm not the only person around London that does that. See? So. Um, I like it. Uh, I think less Sims. people do it now, though. I think it's definitely becoming less cool, so I'm having to think. Sometimes I'm having to look around and see if, if I am the only one, I'm starting to look a little older. Uh, no, stay strong. Yeah, stay strong, Dean. Don't give stay up the strong. fight. Let's do it, okay? I need that American attitude and believe in myself. Exactly. <laughs> Other we'll thing is, last thing for me that I just find fascinating, and I thought about it only because I saw your Twitter page, but yeah. for those out there who don't know, you're, out, you're on your Twitter page with Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho, excuse me. Please, oh, yeah. have you met his both his new newly acquired wives by any chances? How do you think he's going to do he balancing out? What do you he's mean? He's married two women last week. What at the same I think time? He denied it. But, oh, you think he denied it? Yeah, he denied it. But it's funny. We so as part of a police report, uh, a gig that I was on, we we went and we met on our dino on a a rooftop in uh, Vietnam, I think it was, and uh, you know he, he turned up and. Uh, He's everything you'd expect Ronaldinho to be. He's flash. He's he's always smiling. He's um, wasn't too interested in when we actually wanted to play football. He was just interested in everything around it. And there was a uh, you know a few beers flowing. There's a few girls floating around. And I think it, they caught his eye a bit more than football at the time. But uh, <laughs> I like the it. Of the game and people just love just love even talking about him. So when I posted that picture on my Twitter, you know it went mad just because people got so much love for him. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I loved watching him play, but when I when I heard two he was going to try to marry two wives in the same ceremony, sounds I, a lot better than I it thought, probably is. Wow, this guy's got some talent here to balance <laughs> yeah, that out. Yeah, respect, your respect went up for a second, but now he's going to have to come back down. <laughs> yes, realize. it is. Yeah, That's definitely. Awesome. <laughs> Dean Jones, uh, all of Sims and Left go faithful. Do me a favor as the World Cup gets going. Dean Jones, BR, hit him up on Twitter. He'll be out there in Russia, being one of the football insiders for Bleach Report covering the World Cup. Dean, you are the the man keep buttoning that top button and we appreciate you pal <laughs> cheers guys enjoy that you too thanks dean be good man yeah. all right thanks again to dean for joining us uh love the accent love the top button the man we talked a lot about uh what happens if american players or big time athletes start playing soccer and can they get the money i'm starting to see a trend that i didn't think would happen mm-hmm. kyler murray uh, the the Oklahoma quarterback that's going to be replacing um, Baker Mayfield. Right. He was taken ninth in the MLB draft. Couldn't believe the team that took him was willing to give him money and let him play one more year of college oh, football. Yeah, Couldn't right, believe that. Right. But then another kid, um, Jordan Adams, four-star football player, four- or five-star basketball player, taken 17th in the MLB draft. He's going to play baseball. We saw this with like Drew Henson, a guy that went and played baseball for a little bit and then came back. Right. But is there any chance that this generation of parents, younger parents, been hearing their entire lives, the contracts in baseball are better, the contracts in baseball are better? Could guys be going to the baseballs and the soccers and leaving the basketballs and the footballs? 
I do think so. Baseball. I, think, I know that you're trying to get your son to play oh, baseball. Oh, I, I hope so. I sure the hell hope he plays football, uh, baseball or basketball. I, I don't think – I think basketball is going to bear the fruits of this NFL conundrum too. I don't um, think as much. No. Because I think that you got to be that six seven, six eight guy – and that's a lot rarer than there's, the 6'2 guy. There's no doubt. Yes. Now it's you're a, a different, good baseball player. It's a different animal for the basketball world. It's truly a special built individual. So oh, you're right. You go to those games and you go, I, where did you come from? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, But yes, I think as, as a whole, what you're talking about, I do think sports like soccer, sports like baseball, parents are pushing them that way because of the fear of football and what it might bring. I see it in my own you know, town that I live in and hear the parents talking with the kids and all of that. You know, parents are just so scared right now to let their kids play contact football and what the ramifications to that can be. So uh, I I do get it. And the door is open right now for some of these sports to capitalize on the NFL, whether it's the anthem policy, the concussion policy, all those things to take advantage of it and kind of swing the pendulum a little bit. 2021, man. 2021. The two new football leagues are going to start, XFL, the other one, AAFL. I, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. No, you're right. It is. I think it is. Uh, and then all these other sports and NFLs, man, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be very interesting. We're going to be interesting. right in the middle of it. Yes. And it's going to be great. All right. It's time for whoa. Whoa. Big off season. Uh, first one that I'm going to show is the uh, Chris Sims, the guy that he absolutely got right out of the draft last year, Carl Lawson. Uh, some video of him uh, practicing. Uh, I'm going to put this on the YouTube as well. Carl Lawson blindfolded, taking hits from an offensive lineman and just kind of working on his hands. And the question that I ask you, Sims, is I don't understand the point of him being blindfolded. Wow. I mean, first of all, his arms and back and chest and shoulders, holy crap. Uh, The point of being blindfolded is that the fact that you can't, when you're rushing the quarterback, you can't see everybody's hands. you got to be able to go off a feel at times and just go and be able to, hey, you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Carl Lawson. I'm coming off the edge. Damn, where is that Le'Veon Bell? I'm trying to watch Le'Veon Bell, but this big freaking Villanueva keeps putting his hands on my shoulder whatever. So he's learning to have the feel to fight off the without having to have his eyes on the target. It's going to teach him basically, yeah, just body's awareness and space and feeling the context so he can keep his eyes focused on something else. All I know is he didn't practice with knives, so I'm not really that interested. <laughs> Once you get to Aaron Donald, Damn, he knives. is thick. Holy crap, though, his upper body. Here's what's funny when I realize when you look at NFL players. Yeah. I don't know what is big for an NFL player. Oh. I assume all of them are big. Right. So he was big enough in the upper body to garner your attention. Yes, he was. That, Why? I mean, I, I mean, look at his damn shoulder and pec and arm and back part here. Holy, his lat is bigger than your quad. Yeah, it is. It's it's unbelievable. And I wonder why he lasted to the fourth round. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, another whoa, big offseason. This is really a no big offseason. There was an article in the Detroit Free Press, Ugh. Patricia in danger of losing his players. Mm-hmm. And this thing said that this guy's main observation, Carlos Monares, and I'm telling you right now, Sims and Lefko loyal listeners, uh, I'm never reading another article from this guy again. Like any news or whatever, I'm just not trusting it because this is insane. That the rookie coach, Patricia, wants things done his way and a lot of punishment. And that means a lot of running. 
And he wrote, that's not likely to endear him to his players, many of whom are experienced professionals who don't need to be treated like junior varsity tryout players. This is my favorite part. Even former coaches like Jim Schwartz and Jim Caldwell didn't punish players with running very often during minicamp or training camp. Yeah, because those Jim Schwartz, Jim Caldwell errors were so incredible that that's what we needed in Detroit was to do the same game plan. The New England Patriots run their players more than anybody else, and yet you are complaining about running the players because you think the vets are going to think it's childish. The experienced pros he's talking about. He's even the experienced pros who haven't experienced winning. Never won. Right. Haven't won shit, but they're going to tell you how to do it, right? So... Yeah, you said it. Wait a vent. That's right. It's unreal. It's unreal. It is. It's, it's so not part of the culture in the NFL because you do it in in, in uh, high school. Our practice is over. we got to run gassers. Coach is going to make us run gassers. In college, you don't do it very much, right? So then you get to the NFL, and of course, it's a full-time job, and you're in shape throughout yeah. most of the year. But players are never quite as in good a shape as they think they are, mm. and Bill Belichick has taken that upon himself to make sure that they are, and that... They're one of the only. They were the only team I was ever on or ever around. That what practice is over and we have to run gassers? Like what? Are you kidding me? That was the only team I was ever on. Josh McDaniels or when I was working for New England watching, and it's a culture shock, and it's a little militaristic, a little which they're not used to, right? Mm. And what else have we talked about? I've told you about you know. Uh, Brady in the quarterback center exchange. They could fumble a snap, right? And Bill just goes, run. And everybody looks up and he just goes, just fucking run. And the offense has to run around the goalpost and run all the way back and then you know, run the plays. Do you place. think that there are players that are... They're bitching. They're moaning. They're not ready to quit yet. They realize they haven't done anything and they realize this guy's coming in from a place. Now, they're I not happy say, about how it. You, you can't lose anybody. No, they're not going to lose anybody, especially with a guy like Matt Patricia. Everything that I've heard from the NFL, you lose people when you leave work early. You lose people when you don't address situations yeah. head on. You lose people when you realize that you're not a leader or you don't work hard enough. Right. Getting work too much, these guys are, are going like. They're motherfucking them when they yes. come off the field. Like, God damn, this is torture. I mean, I can't believe you're making us run like this. But they're not like, this guy's clueless. He's an idiot. I'm not losing him anymore. No, it's more of like competitive anger at this point with a guy like this. It's They're not used to this. Man. And they're trust me, hey, Detroit, buckle up, players, because you got more to come that you ain't used to. It's, oh. it's going to be a different training camp. We hear it at Bill O'Brien in, in yes. Houston. We hear it, obviously, with Belichick. Uh, all right, let's continue. Whoa, whoa, big offseason again. You can get the new whoa big offseason shirt at bit.ly slash big offseason. We did not put whoa in there because everyone spells whoa differently. How do you spell whoa? W-H-O-A. Yeah, some people spell it W-H-A-O. W-H-A-O? Yeah. No. Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I would say that we have a new leader in the clubhouse for biggest whoa team. The New York Giants, for the first time, have four woe big off seasons in the same week. Wow. This is incredible. Wow. First one, Saquon getting praise from Brandon Jacobs, Tyrone Wheatley, and Rodney Hampton. Just the New York Giant great running backs Try coming out and being it. like, he's the man. He's got it. Whoa. Whoa. Big, big off season. season. That's great. Yeah. Next one. Have they seen him in person yet? Yeah, they went and saw him. Okay. I think, <laughs> Just wanted to make I, I, think sure. I actually have some quotes here. Oh, man. Rodney Hampton, man. That brings back some memories S- there. Such memories. Yeah. Man, big old Rodney. 
Uh, that's funny, though. Well, he's one of those guys that I would imagine, even for top-level running backs like that, they saw him move a few times, and they were probably like, whoa. Yes. Big legs, big movement. Yeah, like Brandon Jacobs came out and said it's going to open up the playbook tremendously. Brandon Jacobs, first time I ever saw him on the field, the year I lost my spleen. We had to go up and play the Giants. I was hurt. I was on the sideline. He ran, got pushed into our sideline, like the second play of the game after running off the edge. And I was like, man, we're losing this game. We ain't, <laughs> nobody's going to want to tackle this guy. It's insane. He was enormous. Enormous. Yeah. I, I just couldn't imagine. That was one day where I looked at it. I was like, man, I'm glad I'm not playing defense. Will Hernandez has already gotten into five fights. <laughs> Whoa, big, big offseason. Off and Eli Manning's response, I love it. Yeah, I bet. Here's what's even better. Will's response. Iron sharpens iron. That's all we're doing, getting each other better. We're all competitors out there. Sometimes we're going to butt heads. I don't go out the intention, look at me, you can't do it. I just go out there, and if it happens, it happens. It does. Iron sharpens iron. I like that. It's the way he plays. I could see he would be a guy you'd pick that I would go, I bet you he gets in a few fights during training camp. Why does a fight happen at training camp? It just guys are tired. They're angry. They've been blocking the same guy, and they're sick of blocking the guy. He might know some of their moves. Or you've gotten the best of me three days in a row, and I've had enough, and my coach is making fun of me now. Yeah. Uh, and all of those things just bottle up to where, yeah, frustrations boil over. It's never personal. I've never really seen anything be taken after that. I think the, only, the reason happens is you're literally punching each other. In every day. Yes. So eventually you're going to get upset at the guy that's punching you. Exactly. And out of the fact that it's like the 20th day in a row and you're hungry and tired and haven't been sleeping in your bed at home, yeah. haven't gotten any of your wife or girlfriend's booty in a while, it's been all a long those time. things are, you're backed up. Whoa, big off season. Giants legends say that the Giants wasted Eli's prime. Oh, I heard about this. Sean O'Hara. To be honest with you, they wasted the last few years of Eli's career. It's been hard to watch. Justin Tuck, we know that when he's healthy, he can do things with comparable athletes around him, and I don't think he's had those. Anything other than that, you're just lying to yourself. Did the Giants waste Eli's prime? Of course not. I mean, why is this still a thing? Why are we still right, blinded so first of all, by what Eli are, Manning? What are, what are people going to say? What's Sean O'Hara going to say? I don't know. That he, He's not right. It sounds right. like he brought it up himself. I know. It's not right that he brought that up. It's really not. Because it's 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 it's. I don't want to sit here and say it's wrong, but it's wrong. I don't when know the way did about Eli it. Manning's prime end? I would say 2012. I was going to say 13. Yeah. I mean, right around there, right? So he has had dismal play for four years. Yeah. Some of it's been McAdoo. Right. But, I mean, one of those years he threw for like 4,500 yards. That's why they kept Ben McAdoo there. So, again, Eli's really good. But this day and age, he's not really good. He's down towards the bottom of starting quarterbacks in football. He is the biggest question on the New York Giants. Now, they have a few years of turmoil there the last few years with McAdoo and the transition from Coughlin to McAdoo. Sure. But damn, the nine years before that were almost, I mean, just couldn't be the more perfect roster around a quarterback. 
I mean, that's the thing is that's saying that they didn't have weapons around him. That's it's just so erroneous. That's where I got annoyed with the statement. I wanted to go. All right. Forget about like, really, when you name through it and you go, let's just running backs. It's been Tiki Barber. You know, you just had Jacobs, Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw. Okay, there hasn't been much else since then. Ward, But they had like the three headed Rashad Jennings, those, but nothing great. Okay, but the O-line all the way up until 2013 was really tops in the NFL. It was phenomenal. He had Plexico Barres, who was without a doubt one of the five best receivers in football when he was there with the New York Giants. People forget Steve Smith was one of the best receivers in football before he tore his his ACL. Shockey's been there. Martellus Bennett's been there. Sterling Shepard. Odell Beckham Jr. Hakeem Nix. Mario Manningham. Been nothing but talent around him. Now, the last few years, yeah, they haven't been as good. Okay. But I would also push back. The year they were 11-5, and five, they went 11-5 and five in spite of Eli Manning. Not because of him. I mean, it was every first game. first McAdoo year? Yeah, the year they went 11-5. and five, They beat the Cowboys twice, right? Lost in the boat game to the Packers right, up there. Right. You know, the, the Packer game was the best game Eli played all year. And he played one good half. Right. And he, there was a few drops. But yeah, be- they won every game that year like 10-7. Landon Collins pick sixes, yes. breaking nine tackles. Odell Beckham Jr. running 70-yard touchdowns. So, yeah, I push back against that. I know for me, as Phil Simms' son, everybody's going to go, oh, you're an Eli Manning hater. No. Why can't we just keep it real? I don't give a shit about who my dad is or who Eli Manning is. That's just the way it is. Sorry. Is it because Eli is such a good guy? I think part of it, yes. And because everything I read is, about Eli is he's actually a great. He guy. He is a great guy. He and is he's funny. He's everything that you think Peyton Manning is. Eli actually is exactly is right. what it sounds like. Exactly right. I'm right. Yes, you're right. Yes, uh, I think because I, I mean I've never hung out with either. No, I think I think people. I think if I was to be fair, people as a, on a personal level like Eli more than they like Peyton, right? Mm. I mean, Eli's a really good dude. Just because he's a good dude here doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and lie to you and go, oh, he's a top 10 quarterback because he's nice to me in the parking lot sometimes. That's what I hate about this job. That's where everybody gets conflicted. Like, no, he's making $30 million a year. If he can't handle some asshole like me telling him he's not that good, then I don't know what else to say. It is interesting. It's yeah. it, it's the narrative that's been pushed up here by the Eli supporters. I would even bet it's from the Manning camp to a degree. All of it. It's not a good O-line. He's had no help. But it's also like, how are the guys, like Eli's performances in the Super Bowls and those throws. Yeah, they were amazing. The guys that were on those teams, mm-hmm. how could they ever speak badly about him? Right. I mean, to have that throw to David Tyree and yeah. then finishing Escape, up to Plaxico right. and the throw to Mario Manningham. Like, yeah, yeah, if I was on those teams, I would be loyal for life. Right. But we have been saying now for three to four years, it's over. Yeah. And look, I know that Shermer wants Eli because he wants the vet. But it's uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, well, and people forget those teams underperformed. See, so it was awesome. Like, yeah, in 2011, they went 9-7 and seven and won the Super Bowl. You know, 2000, uh, 2011, they went 9-7. 2007, they went 10-6. and six. You know, he made magic happen. But part of the reason they were average as far as their rankings was because of Eli during those years. Yeah. I mean, people forget 2007, there was a point during that year where people were going, this might have to be the end for Eli Manning. We don't know if he can be the quarterback up here in New York. Yeah. Then they won the Super Bowl and it backed everybody off. Yes. So I, I don't know what That's I'm saying. That's what's interesting is all yeah. these other guys also said, the running backs that I saw interviewed and the other guys, this team has a chance to go 12 and 4. Yeah. There's a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anticipation. There is. There's a lot of weapons. Yeah. You have Nate Solder at left tackle. You have all those weapons that we've talked about so many times. Yeah. It's going to be clear. At the same point, 
Eli might put up four thousand yards this yeah, year. Yeah, I, 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 he could. He has an offensive coordinator. He He's could. got all those weapons on the mm-hmm. line. He could. Yeah, but we'll he's see. the big question. That's all we're saying. He's the big question, and he certainly could. He could go off. I don't off. even think this is that shocking. No, it shouldn't be. I don't know. But the biggest woe big offseason. Yes. Of the entire Giants, Davis Webb. We've talked about him a few times. He's got the strongest arm in camp. And you said, well, who is he going up against? Yeah. Lawletta and Eli? Right. There was an article. I didn't see this. Blew me away. Okay. Uh, our, our guy, Matt, printed out the article and underlined all of his favorite parts. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I was dying because it was there was like six Woe Big Offseason moments. The article was titled, Davis Webb will be ready when it's time to step out of Eli Manning's shadow. Already. Kid hasn't taken a regular season snap. But he's ready to go. First thing, Mm -hmm. article starts off arm strength. Quote, I can throw it better than anybody. I have a great arm. My arm strength is probably too strong. Apparently, he regularly tells Odell Beckham Jr. that he could outthrow him no matter what. Damn. Okay. I never heard anybody say that about themselves. I mean, I never even heard Aaron Rodgers say that. You so, say that about yourself. So I know, you say that I have a great arm. I, I do have a great arm, but not during like I. Well, so read that quote for me. My arm there. strength is probably too strong. My arms. I never said that though. <laughs> it's too strong. I'm going to break in with he some news a, that's happening right now arm. on Bleacher Report app. Okay. Cowboys make Zach Martin NFL's highest paid guard. Wow. Awesome. Let's see what that is. I got uh, my stuff up here, so let me look. Record guaranteed money, six years, 66. Oh, no, Andrew Norwell. It appears the Cowboys have surpassed Andrew Norwell's numbers, which was 66.5 over 5, 13.3 million guaranteed. Right, 13.3 average, basically. So, wow, Zach Martin's. Going to get somewhere in the 14 to $15 million a year average is what he should. He's better than Andrew Norwell. He's the newest guy to get the new contract. And he's been the best guard in football since he entered the NFL. Happy for Zach Martin. Good Not for him. Close. Yeah. All right, now back to Davis Webb. Back to Davis Webb. Next big Wobie I can't believe he said that about himself, but keep going. What, I it, mean, a backup quarterback saying, I throw it too hard, and Odell Beckham My Jr. arm is probably too, too strong. strong. Yes. That was like the second sentence in the article. Yes, he does have a strong arm. I don't think it was as strong as Patrick Mahomes in his own draft class, but okay. Or on his own team. Remember, right. he used to be on Texas Tech and left. He, exactly. Because Patrick Mahomes was the guy. Exactly. Music. He has an office playlist. He has a home playlist. He has seven different playlists for seven different days of the week, but he's excited because he believes that when him and Manning are spending long hours in the quarterback's room, uh, he has a he's introduced Manning to six new bands. So he's he's the one young and up, Eli Manning. <laughs> Whoa. Their relationship is so good that Eli calls him Dragon. That's where Dragon comes from. They don't they, they don't announce why. Worker. Davis Webb is obsessed with printing out screenshots from film studies, statistics, and news reports, quotes, anything he finds interesting, and he files them in three-ring binders. He estimates that right now he has about 25 binders, each with around 200 pages of stuff inside. Of course, he has an Eli Manning binder for keeping track of everything he says. Davis Webb has binders. Whoa. Big Big offseason. Last year, Webb put together a scouting report on the team's next opponent, each totaling hundreds of pages, and he would present them to Manning on Monday. Most of the scouting reports would be handwritten each notes. Hundreds of pages? I've never got a scouting report that's hundreds of pages. In fact, if I got a scouting report that was a hundred <laughs> pages, I'd go, fuck the scouting report. I'm not reading this Did shit. Did you just print this out? Uh, yeah. 
he also was the first Giants player to get a printer in his own room. That's how much he likes to print. Damn. Uh, Davis, you went to Cal. Um, tree hugger school. If you haven't heard, stop wasting trees and printing crap out, okay? He would handwrite a lot oh, of my notes from his... You got a computer that has memory. Well, you got a three binders. You know I like printing things. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Uh, but handwritten notes from film breakdown and copious research, and he would give some, He would give them to Eli. Uh, that was a great one. Apparently, he's at the office so late. Oh, my God. I can't he never take it. leaves. Please stop. I can't take it. Do you see how many whoa big off seasons are in This is ridiculous. I feel like this is like. Uh, and this is my favorite one Fox News over here with Trump almost. <laughs> Uh, my my arm is too strong. Yeah, it's I'm almost, almost too, too strong. good. I'm almost too good. I print good. out all the notes. I know, every note. I know better than the coaches. <laughs> music. I got all the music. Right. I have all the music. Last year, a Texas transplant, transplant in New York, Davis Webb decided to buy a Tesla sports car for the summer. Mm. Combined with his predilection for wearing capri pants, Manning made fun of him every day. But this year. Davis Webb is back to driving his pickup truck, an all-black 2018 Ford F-150 Lariat. The other night, went out to dinner in midtown Manhattan with a few teammates who were all wearing Jordans. Webb had his cowboy boots back on. Quote, I'm back. I'm back to my roots. Whoa. Davis Webb. Where was this is, article? I think it's on ESPN. It was I, on ESPN. This is the kind of be, article. It might be MMQB. Uh, this is the kind of article that's going to get him just lambasted in the locker room. I mean, he's going to get, because everybody's going to go, let me see these 300-page scouting reports. They're, he's going to get lambasted for all this. It's a lot he, of eye. He was so eye. cocky the whole Ooh, article. That's a lot of eye. It was eye. MMQB. I yeah. apologize. All right. Either way, MMQB, that was a lot of eye. That that will open eyes within the Giants. It's very funny. We talked about Patrick Mahomes yes. not wanting to take any advertisements in Kansas City because he wasn't the guy. Right. And now we're already starting like the Davis Webb is going to replace uh, Eli Manning story. Gradkowski heard, listened to the podcast. He got a big kick out of me talking about him in the commercial. You know how I talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did he say? He was laughing. He just, he was like, you know, let me listen to the Sims and Left Go. <laughs> and then he turned it on and he said we were talking about it. So it was pretty good. Man. But no, Davis Webb sounds like he's raring to go. They, they, they were telling that. I'm excited. I mean, I am. I'm excited for preseason. Yes. Let me just see him out there. I, exactly. Week three. There's potential. He could be the guy. He could. He does have a lot of the things you'd look at and go, okay. I, I you know. Funny enough, I remember seeing him on the the field. Him and uh, Baker Mayfield, oddly enough, when I when they were at Texas Tech together. Um, but how does this make you feel? Oh, it, it's. I, I think that's this just, is an epic whoa big off. That's an epic one right there. I've so never many. seen a young quarterback who hasn't done crap talk that highly about himself as <laughs> uh, that that one right there. It's unbelievable. It is. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see him in in preseason and all that stuff. Um, do you, how do you think Eli takes to all this? Oh, I don't think Eli cares. Eli's unflappable. He's so comfortable. I think in where he's at in his career and yeah. everything like that. It's nothing. It's- uh, the only guy that I think has been this cocky, having not done anything, Johnny Manziel. Mm. Uh, and we have a a, uh, a listener that hit me up on I think hit up the the podcast, yep. Connor O'Neill, and he asked if he can be our Johnny Manziel reporter. He said he's going to go to every game and he's going to give reports. Uh, so he had a preseason game yes. against Montreal on Saturday, right. and Connor O'Neill sent. Scouting reports. 
I'm talking about he charted every single play, Series 1, Series 2, Series 3, and he went through. First, uh, Johnny Manziel, let me give you information. He is backing up Jeremiah Masoli, yep. the Oregon legend up there, when the regular season begins this upcoming Saturday. Co- Coach June Jones says, you saw him out there. He's still a little rusty. Uh, he finished stats with 12 of 20 for 88 yards and one touchdown. Connor, I'm going to kind of go through one part of your notes here, sure. his summary. And he said, um, while he did make strides towards improvement, it said he was learning a lot about the positions because apparently CFL is different. There's a lot more space. He made strides towards improvement. He is still noticeably trying to get comfortable with the offense and schemes. He only took two deep downfield shots in his 20 attempts, and most of his completions were shorter checkdown throws, swings, screens, and short throws designed to stretch the zone. Uh, that he looked, it, it kind of sounded like he did. Pretty good, but he having a lot of strugglers, and he wouldn't be shocked to see Manziel the starter in the back half of the season. Okay, but sounds like he's going to be fighting for yeah, his job. I think that's the thing I've I've jumped out to me. I mean, I know June Jones has said Masoli's the starter until otherwise told, um, but. The the thing that, that I've noticed out of the two preseason games is, yes, what our guy there, Connor, said. And, Connor, I, I think the summaries is what we would like on a weekly basis. Give that to us, Connor. And the other thing, too, is, yes, lack of throwing down the field. I've yet to see that in mm. both games and even in this AAFL thing. So I, I need to see that a little bit. Because uh, that was one of the reasons you were so high on Mansell in the beginning. Yeah. Was the dude could rip it when he, he needed he to. He can. He can throw the I ball remember, down the field. I remember you would you could tell, I'm sure Kyle's getting frustrated on Brian Hoyer because there's a number of deep throws that Manziel could make that Hoyer can't yes, make. Yes, But we haven't seen that yet. We have not seen that yet. And yeah, Manziel has the mentality to be an aggressive down-the-field thrower. But, you know, you're not comfortable. Uh Sometimes you just want to, okay, I'm going to run the system, take the easy completion, continue to learn, not expose myself with some dumb mistake, whatever it may be. But I do need to see that at some point. I need to see some consistent 20-yard in-cuts, comebacks, things like that, to tell me where he is physically. Because I haven't been blown away by the throwing as of yet. Like mm. I don't look at it on the film and go, or on highlights and go, ooh, wow, that looks real special. Connor also said he's mainly going up against second and third teamers. Okay. So we haven't even seen him against the number ones. Yes. All I know is there was one clip of him scrambling out and making a throw that a lot of people shared. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I took away was that DE closed on him real quick. Yes. So we got a long way to go. We do. We do. Uh, all right, so I'm going to toss to, to Gronk, and we'll be back after this. But let me just kind of give you a little insight on how I did the Gronkowski interview. I am not a fan of interviewing people over the phone. It's not something I enjoy. I really don't enjoy interviewing Gronkowski over the phone. Main reason, and Sims, you know this, when he will, he will not talk about other players on other teams, he is not going to say a lot about guys on his team, and he usually gives one-word answers. Right. But the last time I interviewed him, I said, these, these last few are from fans, and he perked up, and he went, oh, I like fan questions. So I just pretended that all of my questions were from fans. What a liar. Patriots Boy 12, uh, Pat Cutie 19. I got the whole list. You'll hear them as I go through. Uh, but some good moments. Here is my sit-down on the set of a Tide commercial, my fun interview with Rob Gronkowski. Hello? Hello. What's up? What is up, bro? How are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm amazing. My name is Adam Lefko. Welcome to Sims and Lefko. Uh, we are now joined 
by the greatest tight end to ever lace up them cleats, Rob Gronkowski. How you feeling, Rob? Good, man. Feeling good. All right, so feeling good. I went online and I talked to the fans, and I said I gonna I could ask them all these real football questions, or I could turn it over to the fans and let them ask you questions. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. Perfect. Again, brought to you by Tide. First question, Sam Levy. He's going right to beer, uh, Rob. How quick can you shotgun a beer in seconds if we time this at the Combine? Um, I can tell you this. When I saw Tom do it on the show like two months ago, he absolutely destroys everyone with it. And I am not that quick at, at pounding them. So I'm actually pretty slow. And another guy that's super quick is Julian. So I, I would have to give that one to Julian and Tom as the top chuggers, and I'll, I'll be probably like third or so behind them. I'll be a couple of seconds, so that's not my forte. Okay, so so Rob comes in third on the Patriots. Second question, this one is from JMR Luna, speaking of Tom. What does Tom Brady smell like? Unicorns? Rainbows? Uh, I would say some Tide Pods he smells what? like. Smells like them fresh Tide Pods. He smells like fresh Tide Pods. I love Whenever it. he's stinky, I take him out and I gun him at him at his locker. You just throw right at him. Yep. I love it. All right, third question. This one is from Seahawk Scout. When you went, uh, you came and you saw the team, did anyone make you say, whoa, big offseason? What, what was that one again? So Seahawk Scout asks, you walk into the locker room, and did did you see anyone, and they, they kind of got bigger over the summer, and you went, whoa, big off season. I mean, I'm not even really sure what kind of question they're trying to really get to. But I know, it's Seahawk it's Scout. Always a big, it's just, just put it this way, it's always a big off season. Mm. There is no non-woes. It's always, whoa, big off season. Yep, that's what it's always like. That's awesome. All right, this one comes from GoPatsGo781. Do you like being called Gronk? Uh, yes, I do. I don't mind it at all. I mean, uh, people that personally know me usually don't call me by that, but I do not mind it one single bit. What do people that know you call you? Rob. Rob. Usually. So should, Rob. I, should I call you Rob or, or Gronkowski? What, what, what should I go with? Yeah, either or. Don't matter. Okay, this one comes in from Pat's Cutie nineteen. Have you seen Saquon Barkley's legs and ass yet? Uh, yes, I have, and uh, I've seen him on. You know, I've seen him play before. Seen him uh, at the combine and stuff, and I, his legs definitely do look beastly. You got to give him. You got to give him credit there. Yeah, have you heard his nickname? People are calling him Saquads. No, I never heard that yet, but I would. I would probably say so. It's pretty good. All right, so then uh, uh, Pat's Cutie 19 followed it up with, who are the best legs and ass you've ever played with on the Patriots? Uh, I got to go with uh, uh, Vince Welford. Oh, he had, he had some legs, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one comes from uh, Throdell Beckham. Are you upset about Edelman? Wow. Um. He's a great player and a great teammate to have. And uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but he'll bounce right back. Yeah, of course. Uh, all right, so this one comes uh, from Vinatieri, which I think is a playoff Vinatieri. Do you think if NFL players played soccer from the time they were born, 
could they be better than the guys in the World Cup? Uh, I don't think so. Nope. How come? Uh, it just takes a lot of training, uh, a lot of love for the game, and obviously we have more passion to play the game of football than soccer, I guess. Not really sure. I just feel like they're so skilled that that's why we stuck with football. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. All right, and then this is the last one uh, from Salt and Julius Pepper. Have you, if, let me read this. Hold on. Where is it? Okay, there it is. Have you thought of a name for a kid? Like, if you had a kid, have you already thought about some names you'd like to name yeah, them? Yeah, be Roberto. Roberto Gronkowski. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I want to call yeah. my, I want to call a daughter Dawkins, but you would go with Roberto. What about for a girl? Uh, not sure. Never thought of that one yet, but I have thought about Roberto. All right, so I, I need I need the, the, the Robert Gronkowski right after a spike. What would you say to all the Tide Pod haters out there? What, what, what would you really say to, to get them back on board? What would I say? Yeah. Uh, I would just like to show them how effective my Gronk spike is. So mm. if my Gronk spike's that effective, then it shows how effective Tide Pods are as a laundry detergent, too. So those two things are equal. They're equal. They got that much power. Both Damn. Them. Damn. So what we've learned about Tide Pods today, Gronk, you throw them at, at, at Tom Brady, and they're just as powerful as your spikes. It's pretty good shit. Yeah, it is. I like that. Uh, I got one more, actually, from Billy Barkan. Uh, it, it's a comment, and it says, please don't get traded. That was all it says. That one just came in. Tom, thank you. And you're welcome. I appreciate it. Rob, I appreciate you, my friend. Have a great weekend, dude. All right, man. You too. So there it is, Sims. If Rob Gronkowski had a child, he would call him Roberto. So Roberto Gronkowski. That would be hilarious. And when I asked him if he he knew what he would call a girl, he said, no, I haven't thought about it. Roberta? He hasn't thought about it. (laughs) Roberto Gronkowski. I enjoyed watching Gronk at the horse race, first of all. I didn't see it. Oh, my gosh. Well, Gronk came in second. Yes. But he wasn't sure. That's the best part of it. you got to watch the video of him watching the race. Okay. Because when they make the turn, of course, he's really excited he's in second. Then he thinks he's catching Justify. And he doesn't realize this, the race is over. Like they're in there, like they've already crossed the line, but he's way down. And he's like, I think he caught him. What? And you could see him mouth like, where's the line? Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. But um, That's really funny. He's awesome. And I'm glad Justify won. That was awesome. I enjoyed watching that. I didn't. I didn't oh, watch it at all. You didn't watch it? I've already talked to you. I've already told you. Triple Crown's nonsense now. Now that now that uh, American Pharaoh won, I'm not interested. Oh, my gosh. You're ridiculous. I'm doing things at 5 o'clock on a Saturday. It was at 6.50, and you're not that busy, so relax. I was busy. <laughs> I was getting after it. It was a big weekend. Uh, guys, thank you as always. B-I-T dot L-Y slash big offseason. Whoa, big offseason shirts. shirts are here, and they're here to stay. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of the people that send me dozens, if not hundreds, of whoa big off-season moments over the weekend, throughout the week. You guys are awesome. Thank you to everybody on the Reddit page. I need to get back on there more. I'm definitely putting some stuff. YouTube commenters, figure out Phil Sims' phone number. Let's get Phil Sims in the Hall of Fame for Chris Sims. Peace out, homies. Fentrick would say good, good evening. evening. And the L-E-F-K-O-E man says appreciate you. 
Love ya. And we'll be back in a few days. We're going to have Florio and Phil Sims on Wednesday's show. Should be a good one. Can I say that? Yeah. All right. You better fucking show up. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs>